Let's read from Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 1. Now when they passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has received them. And they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they had heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your kindness and goodness. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you that we have the sacred scriptures to help us to learn how to live and how to proclaim your gospel amongst the unsaved. Thank you for Paul, his faithfulness, his courage, his boldness. Thank you that he was a trustworthy servant. Thank you for Luke, the author of Acts, who has helped us to see how to travel with the gospel. But help me, Father, like I prayed earlier on. Help me to be clear and understood. Help us to listen. And help us to, to examine our hearts to see if we proclaim the gospel. What do we proclaim and tell our friends when we have opportunities to share Jesus with them? Help us, Father. Thank you again for the Holy Spirit who indwells us, who can help us to understand the scriptures who teaches us your truth. Help us, Father. Revive us in your way. Help us. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord willing, we eventually get through the book of Acts. But it's a good book to be in. Because I think the church can learn many things from the book of Acts. How to live how to witness, and also to see what is the gospel. And, and the, the question I ask ourselves, are we traveling with the gospel? Do we travel with the gospel? Now, I'm not saying you must be like Paul now and go on a missionary journey somewhere far away and go and witness Christ to those people or proclaim Christ. What I'm saying about traveling with the gospel is when you leave your home, when you go to the shops, when you go visit a friend, when you go to work, are you traveling with the gospel? Because the gospel is us. It's, it's us carrying Christ. The Holy Spirit dwells us. Our body is the temple of God. So do we travel with the gospel when we leave our homes? 
And if we are, then we will be able to fill a great scripture. And that is to let your light shine before others so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. But are we, every day, as we leave our homes, are we traveling with the gospel? But what is the gospel? If we had to break up now for five minutes and discuss amongst ourselves, and then I asked, okay, what is the gospel? What would we come up with? Would we say the gospel is God? Would we say the gospel is about meaning and purpose in life? God has a plan for your life? God will make you happy and joyful? God will take away all your problems? God who loves you cares for you? God will make your marriage and your parenting easy and successful? Is that the gospel? Now we know some of those things are true. When we know God and we live in God's word, we know some of these things are true. But is that the gospel? What is the gospel? Well, we, we should turn to Scripture. And we should allow Scripture to tell us what the gospel is. And for me and for all of us, the gospel is the proclamation of the person and work of Jesus Christ. The gospel is about one person. It's about Jesus and this is what Jesus said to his disciples back in Luke 24, verses 44 to 48. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45, Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Verse 46, And he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in His name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. And in verse 48, you are witnesses of these things, of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we, we, we should witness these things to people. Paul, again, in another letter, or that was Luke, telling us what the gospel is and in Jesus' words. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 4, For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. In accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. There again, we have the gospel, which is about the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's the good news. And it's all about Jesus Christ. Therefore, when we proclaim the gospel, we should focus on one person, and that is Jesus we should be pointing people to Jesus Christ, the Christ, the Messiah. And when we do this, I'm quite sure we will see people being saved. Because the gospel is a saving message. It's the good news about Jesus Christ and what he has accomplished for us, what he has earned for us. The gospel is for us, it's not about us. And we will see this as we go through this passage. 
And it's a great passage. Verses 1 to 9 of Acts chapter 17 is a great passage. Because in this passage we'll see two facts. And these two facts show us what the gospel does. And hopefully once we've looked at this passage, it will help us to go and proclaim the gospel as we travel with the gospel. Nothing outside this building will save people. Government, the vaccine, the only thing that will save people is the gospel. And we need to make sure that we are taking the true gospel to people. And the first fact to see what the gospel is, is it turns the world upside down. And we'll look at that in verses 1 to 3 and verse 6. The gospel turns our world upside down. It changes people and it transforms people. It doesn't go with the flow. And we read that in verse 6. These men have turned the world upside down. But are we proclaiming the gospel? When the gospel is proclaimed accurately, faithfully and truthfully, it has such an impact on the world that the world can never be the same again. The world should never be the same again. The gospel of Jesus Christ should be turning the world upside down. And we will see that, Lord willing, we get to our second thing, how, how it divides people. But we want to focus on, on, on the gospel turns the world upside down. And yeah, we see in this passage, Paul and, and Silas and Timothy, they are traveling from Philippi to Amphipolis and Apollonia, and they come to Thessalonica. There's no mention of them proclaiming the gospel in Amphipolis or Apollonia. They probably stayed overnight because it was plus minus a 50 kilometer journey between each city all the way. And then the last 64 from Apollonia down to Thessalonica. But you don't read of them proclaiming the gospel to these cities. Maybe because there wasn't a synagogue. Or maybe because Paul's strategy was to go to the big city. And Thessalonica was a big city. Plus minus 200,000 people in the city. And it was also the capital of Macedonia. The district that it was in. And Paul's strategy was to take the gospel to Thessalonica and let the people take the gospel beyond. Which I think is a good strategy. The gospel comes here to Robertson and it's for us to take it beyond. Into our community and then into when we travel, if we go to Ashton or Bonnyvale or to McGregor or to Montague or to Worcester. All these people that come from those areas and they take the gospel back. They travel with the gospel. Paul is such a faithful servant. You, you, he's just left Philippi where he was beaten with rods. But you never see him. And this is amazes me. Paul, this man of God, 
He never loses his passion and his enthusiasm to proclaim the gospel, the truth. And we can look back at Jesus. Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. He too never gave up or said, that's it. I'm not going to continue. Because the gospel is not for us to save people. It's for God to save people through our proclamation. And Paul knew that if he was faithful to proclaiming the gospel, he knew it was the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. He knew that to live is Christ and to die is gain. He wasn't, he wasn't worried about what was going to happen to him. His, his main passion was to make sure that people hear the gospel. He was faithful to his calling and he was faithful to proclaiming the gospel of Christ. There was a time when, when Paul was going to go to Jerusalem and Agabus wanted to stop him. He said, no, you can't go to Jerusalem. Look what's going to happen. And he took Paul's belt and Agabus bound his arms and his feet and said, they're going to take you captive and put you in prison. And they begged Paul. And Paul said, I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. It was the love of Christ that kept Paul going on and going on and keeping on in spite of his mistreatment. And we'll see he had a lot of mistreatment. But Paul loves Jesus and it stirs him up to travel with the gospel to turn the world upside down. And here in Thessalonica, Paul, this great man of God, and he's just an ordinary man as well, like you and I. He goes into the synagogue of the Jews, which was his custom. And for three Sabbaths, he reasoned from the Scriptures. Now it says three Sabbaths, but we're not too sure he could have spent longer time there. But he had three Sabbath opportunities to go into the synagogue and go and preach the Gospel. To go to his own people. And from the Scriptures, he would reason. And when we see the word reasoned, it means he dialogued. So he didn't always stand up and preach the word from a podium. He also dialogued. It, it was basically allowing the audience to, to ask questions and for him to answer. Or vice versa. He could ask questions and get them to answer. The best thing we can do is when we sit down with someone to proclaim the gospel with them is to ask them questions. Sometimes we just rush in and we tell them, this is Jesus, this is what he's done for you, blah, blah. And they go, yes, yes, I believe it. But ask people, who is this Jesus? Do you know what he's done for you? And, and, and it's what comes out of someone's heart that will tell you exactly what they believe and know. And if you want, I won't go that way. But we need to know that we have the responsibility to be prepared, like Peter says, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 
And do it with gentleness and with respect. And that is so important that we go with the gospel. We go with words, we go with character, because that's our works. You can't save anybody. If you witness to someone and they get upset with you, they lose it with you, they call you names, you can't do the same. You can't retaliate. You can't start arguing. And sadly, I've been in that position with my brother. When I witnessed to him, two ways to live. And I said, well, at the end of this, there's two ways to live. Which way are you going to choose? He says, still man's way, not God's way. I said, but are you blind? Are you stupid? Can't you see that Jesus is the way? And then you've got to say, oh, sorry, please forgive me. But praise the Lord, he allowed me to come back and, and do the same thing. But we, we need to realize that our character is so important. Do it in gentleness and respect. You know what? Because I couldn't save my brother. We can't save anybody. And, and we do sometimes become irritated and frustrated because it's out of desperation. That we shouldn't. God is sovereign. He's in control. He's the one that opens up that heart to you, like he did with Lydia. And we saw that back in Acts chapter 16. And the reason why Paul reasons from the scriptures, well, we just got to go to Luke 24, verses 44 to 45. And Jesus said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled, which I read earlier. We've got to go to the scriptures where it talks and writes about Jesus, the Messiah, this Christ. We are to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom. Because if we do that, we take away the power of the cross. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 1.17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of eloquent wisdom. Let the cross be emptied of its power. These words are so powerful, but I don't think we believe that this Bible is, is, is active, it's alive and it's sharper than a double-edged sword. That the word of the cross is the power of God. We need to trust God with what we sow and water. And when we sow with His word and we water with His word, we don't know what's going on inside that person's heart. We should trust God, especially the Holy Spirit who has come to work in that way to, to take Christ and testify about Christ in people's lives and bring them to a, a repentance. And Paul is not being smart or clever here, it's just common sense. He knows he has to reason out the scriptures because they're in the scriptures and I'm talking about the Old Testament scriptures, the prophets and the Psalms and, and Moses, the law. There it is prophesied about Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. It's in the scriptures where in the Old Testament 
where we see about this Christ that was prophesied. And the Old Testament proves and explains that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead. And Paul tells them that this Jesus whom I proclaim to is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So here's an opportunity not to preach to the atheist or to the person that doesn't know God. Here's an opportunity to help us to proclaim the gospel to a religious person that knows scripture, that knows God, that might be sitting in a false church or, or following false teaching. Then we can take and reason out of the scriptures, but when we get to Athens, we will see that Paul addresses the, the person that doesn't know God, or is not religious in the sense of a Jew, but knows a foreign God, we see how he uses creation and he comes in and then eventually he gets to the gospel which is the work and person of Christ Paul is, was a Pharisee he, he, he studied to be a rabbi and he knew where to find these scriptures he would have gone to um, Moses he would have gone to the, 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 the the first five law books and he would have out of them he would have shown them some sacrificial laws and systems then he would have gone to Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53 where these passages prove Messiah had to die had to die the sacrifice he died and then he probably would have gone to Psalm 16 to show that the Messiah would rise from the dead if you look you go back to Acts chapter 2 when Peter stood up to preach his first message you'll find the resurrection there. Stephen talks about the resurrection when Paul started preaching the gospel he spoke about the resurrection are we taking the complete gospel and proclaiming it the person and work of Jesus Christ which includes the resurrection. If you leave out the resurrection, you're not preaching the gospel. doesn't matter how much you tell them about Jesus dying on the cross, and there He forgave your sins, and then He's seated at the right hand of the Father where He intercedes for you. You can tell people all that, but if you don't take them to the heart of the gospel, the resurrection, you have failed the gospel. Someone said the concept of resurrection lies at the heart. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. And you listen to how people proclaim the gospel today. It's all about me, myself, I. There's room and a place for a testimony. If you're meeting someone for the first time, there's nothing wrong with sitting down with that person and telling them what God has done for you. But then take the focus off yourself and eventually fix them onto the cross. The crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension. The person and work of Christ needs to be explained in its totality. That's why half these, these little um, booklets that you give people, these tracts, there's one or two that are faithful to what they're supposed to do. Two ways to live, 
And I think MacArthur's track. The rest don't talk about the resurrection. So the only way we can turn this world upside down is if we use the word of God to proclaim Christ. If we take the scriptures and faithfully proclaim all about Jesus. Like someone said, when we witness for Jesus, we should begin where people are. Affirming the truth they do not know. And then we can present Christ, the one who is the truth. And Paul is not babbling, he's not making things up. Jesus himself on the road to Emmaus said to two men, and he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter his glory? And then Jesus, beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So if Jesus reasons out of the scriptures, the Old Testament, and Paul reasons out of the scriptures, the Old Testament, and we need to reason out of the Bible. Go back to the Old Testament. Show them who the Christ is. And show them in the New Testament how Christ has fulfilled these promises. And they all pointed to Him, the true Messiah. The Gospel is about Jesus, His death, His burial, His resurrection, the ascension. And yes, we know there's benefits. And those who, who preach the benefits, forgiveness of sins, etc. Welcomed into the Kingdom of God. Eternal salvation. But it's the person and work of Christ that people need to hear. And this is what Paul did in Thessalonica. For three Sabbaths, he made sure that the men and women, God-fearing Gentiles, all heard about the person and work of Christ. Are we travelling with the Gospel? Or are we just storytelling? Telling wonderful stories which point to us and not to Christ. Travelling with the gospel and making it known that Jesus' way will turn the world upside down. And Lord willing, next Sunday we can look at our second fact and that is the gospel divides people. But are we proclaiming the right gospel to turn the world upside down? So let's take courage and let's pray to God and ask Him how we can help spread His good news, His gospel. And He wants us, you and me, He wants us to live lives so that people can see the gospel in our own lives. Because he wants to save people. He wants to change hearts and, and transform hearts. But will we be bold 
Strong and courageous. It's amazing when, when Paul goes out, this great man, you would think he knows what he's doing. You would think, you know, Paul, why, why do you ask for such prayer? You are this man of God. You were a Pharisee, a rabbi. But he still asks because he knows it's not in his strength. It's not in his wisdom. It's not in his might, his power, his riches. He says in Colossians chapter 4, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. And verse 4, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Are we praying that when we go and witness the gospel? God, open up that door, open up that person's heart. But give me boldness to be faithful to what I proclaim. That I will proclaim the work and person of Christ. It might be foolish, but it's the power of God to save that person when they believe. So this first fact, to see what the gospel does, and it turns the world upside down. Will we look, examine our own hearts to see if we are proclaiming the true gospel? Will we travel with the true gospel and make it known? Will we look to the cross knowing that there we have died to the world through the body of Christ so that we may belong to Christ who has been raised from the dead that we may bear fruit for God and if we travel with the gospel we will bear fruit for God in our proclamation of the true gospel. Let's pray. Father, please forgive us. There are times when we don't preach the gospel faithfully. There are times when we are ashamed of the gospel. We're embarrassed. We're going to look foolish. And we go and tell them a wonderful story. Instead of proclaiming Jesus, his work and person. Father, please help us to travel with the gospel. Help us to, to make Jesus known. That will save people. That will turn this community upside down. Father, forgive us. We're living in times when we're all trying to work you out and think we know you in spite of going to the scriptures, but we don't know you, Father. It shows in how we live and how we preach and how we teach and how we talk about your Son, Jesus Christ. Please, Father, forgive us. If there's a time you will bring revival is, is now in the churches where you would bring revival in our teaching, that, that, that transformation would take place, reformation would take place, that we would hold fast the scriptures and preach the truth so your word can be made known that the truth can be made known, Father. Help us to stop sending out another gospel, which is not really a true gospel. Father, help us, please. Forgive us. Help us all to, to go to the Scriptures and to reason out of the Scriptures. Take your word, which is there to save us. It is the word which is able to save our souls. Father, help us, please. 
Help us now when we come to the Lord's Supper to be reminded of the great truth that there on the cross Jesus died to forgive our sins. But we also know he did not remain in the grave. We know on the third day, according to the scriptures, he raised, was raised again. He rose again. He's alive. And we have a beautiful gospel to tell people. Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection and ascension. What a wonderful Saviour. What a wonderful Lord. And what wondrous works we can tell the people. Help us, Father, please. Forgive us. Be merciful to us. Pray in us this all in Jesus' name. Amen.